Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. So, Casper, welcome to CTO Confessions. It's great to have you on board, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? And who do you work for? Yes, I'm Casper Rasmussen. I'm a CEO, CTO, and co-founder at Monza. Before this company, I ran a digital agency, professional services, with uh, building a lot of mobile apps, where I was CTO and partner for 10 years. We did more than 500 mobile apps in Europe. And then for the last three years, Monza, which is a new startup I started together with uh, with, with a friend. And uh, we are we are building software for electric uh, vehicle charging. Um, and we are, we are today uh, almost 200 people operating nine countries in Europe. Brilliant. That's great. So on that company that you just mentioned, Monta, what is the problem that it's solving in the market? Because I always find this really interesting. Yes. So what we're solving in the market is like uh, a lot of charts points are getting deployed today, uh, but they are actually pretty simple pieces of, of hardware. We are having a software suite where we can connect more than 320 different charts points. We hardware agnostic here, and then we extend that hardware with a lot of software around it. So in the simplest way, it can be finding charts points and paying for them, but it can also be sharing mechanisms for corporate parking, for fleets, load balancer, how you get the energy trans- uh, transport uh, to where, to where you need it. Uh, there's a lot of functionality you actually need uh, when, when you're having hundreds of thousands of charge points uh, and, and we are we're building that. So Casper, I'm also interested in tech leaders' passions, okay? And we've had some great conversations offline. What's your passion? Share what your passion is. So I think earlier in my life, I, I, I played a lot of computer games. I played World of Warcraft a lot, and that was like a huge passion. Uh, you were building up something. It was fairly social, but it was also this this challenge. Uh, but you kept building something and extending on it your character. Uh, and then I discovered uh, programming, where you could kind of build small uh, applications. That's the same thing. So I managed to really transform my my hobby from gaming into to programming discovered mobile apps very quickly where you could build for you you could code for a few hours in the evening and you can actually have something usable it was a it was a game changer instead of just building a java backends or whatnot so so programming is a massive hobby of mine i spend yes. a lot of energy on that and whenever i have four hours on a sunday alone that's coding actually and if it's outdoor it's a, it's a road bike we're having a biking team here in Monza as well where we are biking wednesday afternoons so that's my two hobbies Fantastic. I love it. So, Casper, being a leader, a tech leader in the space, what's your style of leadership? How do you roll as a leader? Yes, good question. I think early in my career, I became a manager very early. Um, and, and that was a lot about like my way or no way uh, kind of style. Um, I was very ambitious and I expected everyone else to be that as well. Um, and then I think after six or seven years, I kind of made peace with myself a little bit in management style and said, 
I, it needs to be. I, I need to be happy when I come to work. I want to. I want to come home with, uh, with like a good mood. I don't want to be angry mm -hmm. and, and upset all day because I, I believe that people should be working harder or smarter. So I think my leadership style today is. Uh, involving myself quite a lot and, and love to get down to detail but if it's an area where i'm not good in then i will trust people uh, completely to make the decisions uh, yeah. on it um, and then generally trying to lead with uh, with like inspiration what i have seen before instead of uh, dictating that's that's my style fantastic i love it I'm really curious as to how you learned that. It's really beautiful that you learned that. It was like my way or the no way to something, what I would call a little bit more kind of life-affirming for not just your people, but for yourself as well. Being somebody, I'm going to do a confession now. I know it's CTO confessions, but I'm going to confess I was that type of leader as well. And I learned the hard way that it doesn't actually get you the results you want ultimately. So what was what was the learning path for you? I think it was the same thing that it, it felt like you were you pushing and pushing and pushing and you were burning out yourself uh, and you were angry and uh, upset all day because uh, there was always like a better result. And I think th that was the that was the thing I actually for myself I was like I'm gonna be happy when I come to work. I, I want a job like that. Uh, so so that was the, the learning there. And then what I also discovered is like it didn't really do anything to the performance. Uh, it didn't de it didn't decrease the performance mm -hmm. of the team. We actually had a had a much better like uh, employee scores and uh, and like uh, kept our employees for a longer time, etc. And we were still outputting something like the same. So why not just have have fun while you're at work? Love it. I love the idea of fun at work. Absolutely agree with you. And again, it's something that I've experienced and I see in the space now as well. So coming to your current leadership, your current situation, again, the curiosity in me as the host of CTO Confessions is around what are the pain points for tech leaders? What's your pain point at the moment? What keeps you up at night? So I think on, on the tech side, I think my, my issue is that uh, that I often is able to actually go in to code and and figure out what is the problem and help with that, which is uh, it's limiting yourself because that means that you, you get pulled down to the details very often. But it's also uh, annoying for your for your teams that uh, that Casper can always come in and kind of look over uh, somehow. So I think that's a thing I'm working on and saying like there's a few areas where I'm trying to stay completely out of. Mm. Uh, so on Monza, the, the first version of the code base was a big monolith in PHP there. I'm still knowing a lot of things but as we are breaking it out into microservice i'm not judging that anymore so that's kind of my way of stepping off the train on the, on the journey here and and not being running any i'll say like commits uh pull requests in any critical parts of the application anymore um, excellent yeah that's great learning um and i think on on the other side of that like uh, a big portion of my job today is not in product engineering it's also in uh, in, in my ceo role and and here like our biggest bottleneck right now is actually onboarding all our customers. So we, we had a we had a good traction this year. We tripled in six months, and we're just having a, like a storm of customers who wants to be onboarded. And uh, and and that entire operation parts about how you get sales to onboards to customer success. You get customer service uh, included as well. What lands with who? When is product involved? All that that is what we are kind of maturing right now, and that's that's what keeps me up at night. That I actually believe that we can scale on, on top line pretty well, but uh, we need to get really good at, the, at absorbing it. Yeah, excellent. That's really good. I'm really glad that your company is doing well. 
and this is a topic I was going to cover later on in the podcast is kind of the, the growing pains of companies because this it's a great problem that all companies want, right? Which is growing pains. Um, any tips that, you know, as you're kind of moving through this growth that you've kind of realized that would have been good foundations for growth? So I think that there's a few things you need to you need to get right, right? And uh, one is the team, having uh, strong people around you where you also feel you can just assign bigger tasks to and you don't need to go in and follow up on anything. They will just come to you. I think that's the that, that's number one that you have that. Then, then I think there's something about like the balance about <clears throat> how much ahead of the company you want to be like mind wise and i think like i have a board which is really trying to pull me out in the helicopter and think about what is the problem in six 12 months mm. but there's also something about what is the problem in the next two weeks and uh, and that balance about being able to to say okay now we work on the actual problems there is today and sometimes you are you're overthinking it if you spend too much time on it earlier but they can also cost you time in the end that you didn't get that higher in because you didn't think that was important enough we've done that as well like so the mistake can also go that way uh, but i think generally here that we've been very focused on execution we had some, I'll say like maybe five people working more on the expansion side on new countries, all that. And right now, for example, everyone is just pulled in and say, okay, fix the current problems. That's the most important things. Um, but I think that that thing, right, that a lot of the advice you're going to get is about like fixing the, the problems in six, 12 months, but you also need to get to that. Mm, that's right. What I'm kind of hearing is, is this, it's, it's a balancing act. It's a really tough balancing act and you've mentioned that you know you've gone from techie to tech leader to business leader which is quite a, a huge paradigm shift i guess we don't get taught this at university we don't learn this in college this is something that you've learned in the uh, on the street almost do you have any tips around that at all or things that we could have in place to help leaders through this so um, I, I think I was I was lucky enough to uh, to study my my bachelor was electronic engineer and then I went into software and then I actually took most of my 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 like courses in leadership uh, early I I, uh, I had a good feeling that, that I had the like uh, the skills for uh, for the technical side already so I was building up the business skills already from university but I think from that point is it's uh, like ask the questions like first time you are sitting in a meeting and someone goes through a PL ask all the questions what does this mean what does this mean right that that was what I had to go through sit sit with our CFO back then my old company introducing me to to everything uh, so so you so you, so you get around that and I still do that today. When, yeah. when there's something new introduced to me, I don't know everything in in the financial world, or in the marketing world, and in in sales either. Um, so I think that that's probably number one. Like ask the questions, otherwise you won't get the information. Yes, that's right. And just so that uh, you know, I did an electronics degree as well, so we're both electronic engineers. Okay, engineers rock. And uh, that you did those courses, I think on reflection, I wish I'd have done that because I think that would have helped uh, my career hugely. I think universities are waking up to the fact that we do need to kind of teach these other aspects of being in business. It's not just about the doing and being in the weeds, but it's also about maybe gravitating to the kind of higher, higher levels within organizations, the bigger picture. And then I think here in Monza was where I really took the step into to more business side. And, and here we, we got some good help from the start that uh, our, our chair have been super close to us uh, from the start, was an angel investor in, uh, and, and she's a, uh, 
Boston consulting uh, person from background and she really helped us with all these things in the beginning. Uh, she's not doing the work, but she comes with all the templates and they're like figured out here from here, right? But I think ah, that's right. a good start. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I guess that speaks to having good mentorship, good uh, good support network around you as you make that transition. I think it's always good to have a good network around you anyway for these kind of things, to have those uh, honest conversations around where you are and where you need to get to. And then I think that the last point, which we probably did pretty early, was like as soon as we started racing the second round, I think uh, we brought in a CEO Max is called, uh, which is coming with that entire skill set from uh, from from jobs previously. So he's dealing with a lot of it day to day, and 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 I actually think that that this this feels like this is actually the time where now tech tech people can become CEOs because you can you can. You can hire people in the C-level to deal with a lot of the business side as well and then spend time where you bring most value. And for a lot of companies, that's bringing the product forwards or uh, being that like figure to uh, for the company both to attract funding and employees. Yeah, great. That's brilliant. So, Casper, there's a topic that we discussed offline, which is around risk. I'm a real big fan of risk, risk and opportunity. And we talked about taking risks to achieve speed to market. What would you like to say around that? Like our approach was like we we don't know exactly where we are where we are going and what features will be uh, the the key features and and which will be uh, gone in six months. So we always thought about it, like get the MVP built, think about the happy path, and then get that out to the market and see how that goes. And then if it gets picked up, yes, you will you will end up support work on like you can you can add something but you can't delete it all these things right but you really got it shipped quick and i think in the start when you don't have that many customers or no customers that's you should do that you should not be thinking about how would this scale how do we think about if there's two million users clicking this button at the same time because the chance for that happening is really really low and i i often see ctos or tech leaders getting getting kind of dragged down by the details of this too early, that they want to pick a high-performing mm. language, they want to have everything running serverless, and they want to be able to scale this and that, and like, yes, and and you have 200,000 requests on your servers daily. This could run on a single computer in the closet, right? You don't even need to think about all these things yet, right? Um, so, so build a lot of things, test it out, and be ready to kill it if it doesn't work. And when it takes off, you will have time to, to scale it. What you need in the in between is some operation support, etc., which can go in and, and, and help manually. So there will be some pains around it, uh, but I think that that's the risk you need to take because there's also been seven other features where we shipped them like this, didn't pick up, and we could just close it down again. Great advice. Great advice. I've got a question here around following on from your leadership. Is it how you get the best out of your teams? I understand that you've got quite a sizable kind of development team or teams that you work with. What's the tips that you got out there to kind of create alignment, especially in this kind of remote world that we live in, because we're all kind of all over the place. So I think we, we have been through some, some iterations here as well. Like the, if you if we look back two and a half years, the, the product engineering team was maybe five people and now they are almost hundred. So everything has been broken much more up. We are running with few divisions now with squads in and we're trying to make these squads being end-to-end -end responsible for a certain area of the of the product and not have too many dependencies on everyone else and i think we're still learning here as well and and i think there's still a lot to go here but i think it, this is really 
<clears throat> this is trying to pick up now that dependencies between teams is actually slowing everything down significantly and then uh, if you don't get that fixed then there's something about mindset as well and like in the start if you when you're just five people it is about like we'll just meet in the morning we'll talk about what to do and we just get it done right and we yeah. ship it in the evening and you need to get into a much more structured organization in bigger scale where, you, where you're planning this uh, a bit more um, and, and the same side your customers and your users is also expecting to, to understand what the roadmap is and when things are delivered and, and when you're taking the servers offline and all these things so i think that this is a journey you need to you, you need to take um, <clears throat> and i think it's i think the best uh, advice is like it doesn't scale linear so think about it before you start adding people that if you are 10 and you want to add another 10 you don't get double time will be spent on uh, communication and planning and things and layers uh, it's it's an interesting one there as you do scale it's kind of quite painful i guess as well as a business owner and business leader that you don't get a what i'll call a linear improvement it's it's okay. kind of like a tailing off and i mean how, does that feel quite painful i mean how do you deal with that yeah, it, it, for sure. But I think it. I've seen it before in, in other teams, so I was aware of it, and, and also trying to tell the leadership team around, like, like I'm trying this thing. I'm keep like as a rule of thumb. If we spend thousand hours on developing these this app or these features or something, next year we're going to spend five hundred on maintaining it and improving it. So it's not a one-off. Mm. Now we deliver this, and now it will just run forever, because there will be. 10 small things you need to improve there'll be something next year like etc et that just keeps building up so if you don't grow your your team every year a lot you should mm. start thinking about what things you remove as well quick because otherwise you will be ending up not innovating at all you will spend all your time on, on like yes. making sure it, making sure it runs and scales and, and the small things um, and that's a, that's also a, even with our scale, we have seen that as well. That we had we had months where 30, 40, 50 percent of the team was spending on what we call like minor tickets. Uh, so that's either bug fixing or small improvements, uh, etc. And that means all the large innovation projects are descoped, and it's without you actually prioritized that way it just happens mm. when you get enough users on all the edge cases on your systems will be found yes. will generate thousands of tickets are you dealing with them or you're not dealing with them this is an area that i'd love to kind of dive down a little bit deeper but uh, we haven't got the time unfortunately the whole kind of concept of uh, this kind of debt that builds up as you scale this debt starts building yeah. up and it can it can really drive you i think one of our previous uh, tech leaders spoke of it like a black hole it just gets bigger and bigger and before you know it you're on the event horizon and there's no going back you know you kind of yeah. sat in yeah so uh, that's great exactly. actually i want to backtrack communication because communication is always a, a bit of a challenge when you're doing it remotely any tips for our tech leader audience out there you know around how you maintain that level of communication by being remote so I think uh, maybe to to like start one place is like so in Monster today we are not full remote we are we are in a hybrid setup where all our employees are actually hired in in the countries we operate in and close to our offices so we can bring people in when it's needed and then there's a fairly free culture from where you want to work um, uh, we have like a, a, a special in the start a lot of the work was done around the charge points and the cars so we needed to be able to to be in that test mode and i think for us when the first time we start scaling we considered if we should go into more full remote setup and decided that it was really really hard to do if you didn't have the time to invest into it 
so I think my advice always to, to other founders is like decide if you want to be remote or not and, and be clear about it. The, the things where you are, you're trying to be fully remote, but you actually don't invest into it. That's probably the, the only situation which is really bad. So I think for us, the, the communication is, is, is running as like we, we are, of course, using a Slack channel. There's a big Notion page where all the things are documented. Uh, there's a big onboarding. Uh, we, we spend a lot of energy on that. We fly everyone into Copenhagen the first week. Uh, we take them out in an EV, show them how to charge, all these nice. things, because a lot of the employees we're hiring never had yeah. an EV, right? So I think that's some of the some of the keys. Of course, there's like the, the hands-on meetings and the company and all these things. But I think actually the, the key is to getting it run day-to-day in the, in the teams and having the information flow through that. That's great. And it's great to hear that you take onboarding really seriously because being an engineer in the past, I always found onboarding was uh, always something that was a missed opportunity, you know, because if you understand what your customer centricity mission is or your purpose is, you can align to it. And, and sometimes the information is very subtle, but, it, but it's really helpful. If you're starting to write the software, you get what you're doing. You get what it's for. Yeah, exactly. So, Casper, as we come towards the closing arc of our time together, unfortunately, I've got some really nice, warm questions for you. Okay. Um, what advice would you give to aspiring techies out there, aspiring tech leaders that want to get into the space? Any tips that you have discovered on your journey that would be good for them? Yes. So, as, as I said a couple of times before this, it, before this, I, I, I had a company where we built a lot of mobile apps. A lot of those mobile apps was for startups here in, in, in UK, London, and in, in, in Denmark, and a lot of them failed. So, it actually, like, I was fairly scared about going into a product company. It needs to be the perfect idea. Otherwise, I was like, no, not going to do it. And I think what I learned so far is, like, it's, it's good to have a good idea, but pick a market you believe in and just get started because you will figure out so many things the first six months, 12 months, 18 months. So your, your idea will probably be something very different after 18 mm. months. There's a good chance that the original idea is not what you end up building. So I think that's the best advice that don't be that scared about being able to think about someone, something no one else thought about because there's probably others who did as well. Yes. Uh, just get into it, get into the market, start talking to people, start building something, getting tested, iterating with, with a small group of, uh, of customers. That I think that's a good advice. Brilliant. Excellent. That's really good. And any books, films, or anything else that have been quite instrumental in inspiring you in your journey? So what I think books, it, I, I pretty much, since university, I pretty much only read like programming books when I got into something. Uh, so I don't think that that's been that inspiring. <laughs> and I think, and I think uh, of films, like, I, I like it's all the, all the classic tech uh, Hollywood ones uh, with the, with Facebook and Apple and all that. Mm-hmm. I think that they can be pretty inspiring. But I think this, uh, this thing about like the build phase of a startup is just a super fantastic time. So everyone should get a chance to try that out where you are three, four, five, six people iterating on something for, for a year or two. That's, uh, that's a magical time. And uh, if, if the company takes off, you will remember those uh, months or uh, years afterwards. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a really good share because I must admit, I do feel the energy that you kind of shared there of that time, you know, it's a real buzz, you know, when you're in a really high performing team and working together 
almost like one, you know, you are one, as they say. Yes, exactly. And I think we were lucky enough uh, somehow that we, we started under COVID. So there was really no distractions for anyone. I was like, this is what we're going to be doing the next one year anyway. Yes. And we were few people enough to just be like, we could actually come to, to office and, and work together because we we're just four people. So I think timing wise for us, that, that fitted pretty well. Uh, but uh, like any time is good for this, right? It's, uh, it's just to get started. Excellent. That's really good. That's brilliant. Uh, I can just imagine, I can just feel now you in that zone and uh, and coming together. So a question I have for you now is a, is a fun one, I like to think. I'm going to pretend to be a tech genie, okay? I'm going to offer you a wish. Wish for something in your leadership, in your, in your industry. What would you wish for from a tech perspective to the tech genie? Oh, that, that's a very good question. I think, um, I think in the industry today, there's a lot of things I would love to change, but a lot of that, a lot of the problems which is there because of uh, bad dis- technology decisions or architecture is also a little bit the itch we are we are having today. But the whole way you are kind of sharing charge points with each other, it's called roaming. A lot of that goes through some big hops where they're centralizing all the data in a big API. That's a miss, right? That means everyone will have to meet up there and, and share data. And if you look at telco, roaming is, is much more direct. Uh, so the big telcos are talking to each other, the small telcos talk to the big ones. That's the decentralized way. I, I would love to move into that. Then I think on the chart points itself, uh, today we are using a protocol called OCPP, uh, which is a web socket based protocol. And this is like, this is IoT devices out in the field on low cellular networks, uh, etc. So it's not the most stable networking mm. protocol. So I would love to move into something like MQTT, which could benefit a lot from the industry to, to do that. Um, yeah, I think that's that's at least on the industry. And and then you asked if if, I, if there was something uh, for myself on my leadership yeah, yeah, skills. Go on, then. Yeah. I'll, throw, I'll throw another wish in your direction. There you go. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think the, the dream is always to be this charismatic leader where you just walk into the room and everyone is like, yeah, I want to work with this with this guy and you can come up with all the good ideas. Uh, and I, I think for me, it's always been hard work, which gets me to the good ideas that, that I can do that. So I think actually more like there's one attribute I would love to get tomorrow. That would be like button I can click when I get home and then forget about work for four hours, right? Nice. I think that would, that would have been a good one because today when I come home, it's still buzzing. I can't get rid of it for the first few hours. It's still there. And that means you're not really close to your kid's uh, wife. Yeah. That's a great one. In fact, have you seen the film Severance, a series on, on, um, on one of the streaming channels, Severance? And it speaks of this. So I, I really recommend that because it's fascinating. So, Casper, thank you for your time. As a final full stop to the podcast, is there any key takeaway that you'd like to leave our tech leader audience before we part? I think the, the main takeaway for me is like, I think startups are not as scary as you as you might think. It's just about getting into a market, which is where you find this interesting. You will be iterating there for years. So pick a market you like. And I will just encourage people to, to go for that. And it doesn't matter if you are 22 or 42, like there's always a time to, to do this. Excellent, Casper. Thank you for your time. It's been great having you on CTO Confessions. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page.
we are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Lab services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.